and to him alone. Amen. Thank you, Ed. Well, good morning. It's great to be back with you today. Uh, If you're visiting with us, my name is Seth McCormick. I have the honor of filling in through uh, the four weeks, uh, the first four weeks of July. And we are in the middle of a sermon series on the book of Jonah. I'll be preaching from Jonah chapter 3 today. Uh, I have to say, working full-time and then writing a sermon uh, can be difficult. And I I see Jonah's sermon in chapter 3 being all of eight words, and it uh, makes me a little jealous. Uh, what, a, what a short sermon to prep for to write. Uh, actually, in the Hebrew, it's, it's five words. Uh, the English translation is eight words. Uh, so I thought I would give you a, a six to eight word sermon, and, and we could just be done for the day. So here it is. Jonah obeys, Nineveh repents, God relents. Just kidding. You're not off the hook that easily. How about Jonah preached, Nineveh listened, God forgave? Or vomited prophet preaches repentance, evil is stopped? That was seven words. Well, in good conscience, I can't let you out with a five-second sermon, so we'll be here for about an hour instead. But if you'd like to, in all seriousness, if you'd like to follow along with today's scripture reading, Jonah is nestled back in the Old Testament uh, after Amos and Obadiah, before Micah, Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Uh, I'll be reading uh, from the ESV. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. And call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is the word of the Lord for his people today. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, be encouraging to this church, be challenging to this church. May your Holy Spirit speak through Jonah chapter 3, through Luke 11, through Jeremiah 18, through all your word. God, may we be laid bare before you. And may your Holy Spirit prick our conscience and tend to our hearts today. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when you got up this morning and looked in the mirror, what did you see? If you're honest, you probably saw some bedhead or maybe some bags under the eyes. In the mirror, maybe you saw extra weight that you'd put on over the winter or spring or the extra gray hair that keeps finding your roots. Maybe you're looking at the the tired shirt that you've worn for the 100th time. Uh, Looking into the mirror is a, a daily repetition. For many of us, it probably includes some self-loathing, hopefully followed by a healthy dose of grace and reminders that were fearfully and wonderfully made. I wonder what Jonah saw if he had a, a mirror when he got vomited out of the fish. I wonder what he saw. Jonah was human like us, rebellious in spirit. He held grudges. He thought he knew best. He probably fought against his own fear. I can almost imagine this kind of conversation that Jonah has with himself in the mirror. Am I going to get scared again? Am I going to run away? Maybe he heard his own self-loathing comments. You loser. You never amount to anything. God can't use you. Certainly there was the continual negative tape running in his mind of how much he hated the Ninevites. Those low-down, good-for-nothings. I hope God brings down fire on them. Jonah possibly even had some self-righteous, anti-God talk. Ha! God, he thinks he knows what's best. If only he knew what it was like at the hands of the Assyrians. Maybe Jonah when he looked at himself in the mirror, maybe instead of the anger, he had shame and guilt. I should have gone the first time. I shouldn't have run away. Will I get a second chance? Well, God in his kindness and mercy gives Jonah that second chance in chapter 3, verse 1. If you've got your Bible, turn with me there. If it's still open, which I hope it is. Chapter 3, verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. The second time. Isn't that God's way? God's character? The reality is he's not only the God of second chances, but the God of 999th chances. Think of King David. His rape and adultery with Bathsheba. The murder of her husband Uriah. And yet God forgave David. Not only did God forgive David, but he makes an everlasting covenant with David in 2 Samuel 7, 12 and following. These words were said to David, when your days are fulfilled, David, and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, 
who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Well, we know that forever kingdom was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. David, a man after God's own heart, got many second chances. But how about Peter? Peter denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. Yet we see Jesus restore their relationship, him to ministry. The Lord appears to Peter to recommission him to service, asking on three separate occasions, corresponding to Peter's three denials, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? That's in John 21. When Peter answers on each occasion, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Jesus tells Peter, feed my sheep. Jesus ultimately tells Peter in Matthew 16, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter was given second chances. And these are just two of a a myriad of examples in the Holy Scriptures where God used fallen, broken, sinful human beings to carry out his will, to be his messenger, to do his work. Jonah is human like us. And so when Jonah looked in the mirror and saw the regrets, the missed opportunities, the failures, But when he looked in the mirror, he also saw God's mercies that are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Think about it. God left the 99 to look for the one, Jonah. Jonah didn't mess up so much that he was no longer usable. No, God went after this lost sheep, as we've seen in the last two weeks. Jonah, this prodigal is now the agent and messenger to the 99, to the Ninevites. As Jonah 4.11 tells us, God sent Jonah to that great city, Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left. So if Jonah had a mirror, hopefully he would have seen God's grace upon grace. He not only saw a lost sheep that had been found, but also a God of grace who was going to use this lost sheep to reach other lost sheep. And for us today, God gives us grace upon grace. Each and every day. So Jonah looks in the mirror, he sees grace, he sees God. But that's not the only mirror that we if, if we're talking about ourselves, that's not the only mirror that we should look at. After all, if we only look at ourselves, we become self-obsessed. 
self-absorbed. Instead, we have to look at the pure, crystal clear mirror of the Lord in his word. For today's chapter, chapter 3 is a mirror to chapter 1. What we see happening in chapter 1, we also will see happening in chapter 3. In chapter 1, Jonah is with the pagan sailors on the sea. In chapter 3, Jonah is with the pagans in the city, in Nineveh. If you look at your Bibles, 1-1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, mirrored to chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. In chapter 1, verse 2, we see God's instructions mirrored to chapter 3. Again, God's instructions a second time. In chapter 1, verse 3, we see Jonah's disobedient response. He runs to Tarshish. In chapter 3, verse 3, Jonah arises and goes to Nineveh. In chapter 1, verse 4, we see there's a word air quotes, a word of warning through this storm. In chapter 3, verse 4, Jonah's word is a warning of coming judgment. In chapter 1, verse 5, if you look, you'll see the response of the sailors. In chapter 3, verse 5, we see the response of the Ninevites, of the people. Chapter 1, verse 6, we see how the captain responds to Jonah's In chapter 3, verse 6, we see the king and how he responds to Jonah. So they're mirroring their their parallels. In chapter 1, 7 and following, the pagan sailors respond better than Jonah. In chapter 3, verse 7, it's the pagan Ninevites who again respond better than Jonah. So chapter 1 mirrors itself onto chapter 3. There's all kinds of parallels there. Same thing with chapter 2, mirroring on to chapter 4. Last week, we saw God's grace and deliverance for Jonah through the fish. Next week, we'll look at God's deliverance for Jonah through the plant. So we have these parallels, 1 and 3, 2 and 4. So God holds up this mirror for Jonah to see not only his opportunities to serve God, but also God's deliverance and his grace. And his second chances. Today, can we look into the mirror of God's word and see not only the opportunity for us to serve God and his kingdom, but to also walk with the Lord himself? Can we see God's deliverance? Can we see the grace that he's given us, the second chances? Through the one who is greater than Jonah, Jesus Christ. Like the Ninevites then, we are called to turn from our evil and believe in the one greater, Jesus himself. So Jonah obediently goes to the Ninevites, his arch enemies, those those people that he hates. And he does this not because he felt like it, Not because he wanted to, but look back at verse 3. Chapter 3, verse 3, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. He obeyed, he went, 
He does this according to the word, not because he felt like it. If he waited for his feelings, he probably never would have gone. You know, in our culture today, we're so caught up in our feelings. If it feels good, do it. Follow your heart. I feel like I should. Yet the Bible teaches us the countercultural truth in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our heart, our decision-making has been impacted by the fall. We are sinful creatures, and so sometimes we have to obey God first before we feel like obeying. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. I wonder, are there any commands according to the word of the Lord that you need to obey today? Well, we're told in verse 3 that Jonah is to go to that great city, Nineveh, that exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. And yet it takes Jonah a day before he calls out his message from the Lord. Now, scholars aren't sure if the narrator is talking about this three days' journey. Is this a three days' journey around? Is that how big it is? Or is it three days straight through? Is that how big it is? Or is this just a way of talking about the immense task that Jonah has to preach to the Ninevites? We don't know that the text is not super clear as to what this three days' journey means. But as one commentator said, what matters is the reminder that he preached the message and that its repentance is always a work of God. And so we see the sovereign Lord at work in the lives of the people here in Nineveh. They turn from evil and they believe in God. And if we know anything about the ancient Assyrians, the ancient Ninevites, we know that this response is short of a miracle. This murderous campaigning people who maraud and destroy are turned to sackcloth and ashes. The king calls for a fast. Even the animals are supposed to wear sackcloth. All because of Jonah's The way God used Jonah's five-word message. And the entire city is overturned. Lord, may it again be that the city of Roanoke would be overturned. Lord, may you overturn the the swamp of Washington, D.C. Lord, may you overturn our, our heathen USA. May your word preached today, Lord, overturn the hearts of many throughout the country, throughout the world. May the hearts of high schoolers be overturned, Father, at camps this summer. May college students turn back to you as they join fellowship groups this fall. Father, we need revival. We need an overturning of our hearts, just like you did in Nineveh. Help us to turn from evil, to believe in you. God, for only your spirit can do this work. 
May we be like Jonah, willing participants. Amen. So news, news travels fast. The city is overturned. The word gets out to the king. An outsider prophet stokes interest. The king hears this message. The sovereign Lord is at work. The king immediately responds. He puts on this heart attitude of of fasting, of sackcloth, a a repentant mourner. He calls the rest of the country to join together. This time, God is the object. This time, God is the object of the king's proclamation. Notice Jonah didn't mention anything about God. But here the king, in verse 8, is the one telling them to call out mightily to God. This king knows only God can save them from this impending judgment that Jonah has announced. So the king calls his people to turn from evil and to believe in God. The king of Nineveh calls his people to pray so that this judgment will be stopped. Their prayer, their turning away from evil works, was enough. For we see in verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So for now, disaster and judgment is avoided. They turned from evil, they believed in God. And for us today, we need to hear a similar message that we need to turn from evil and believe in the Lord. But we need to believe in the right God, in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for something greater than Jonah is here. That's why I asked Ed to read Luke eleven, twenty-nine to 32. Let me read this short passage again. When the crowds were increasing, Jesus began to say, This generation is an evil generation. Sound familiar? It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The queen, of south, the queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation. Condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is saying, I am greater than Solomon. Jesus goes on, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is greater than Jonah. Jesus is a greater prophet. Jesus is declaring that he is the one greater than Jonah. Jesus uses this story of Jonah's three days in the great fish as a way to point to something bigger. His own three days of death before resurrection. Jonah is a type of Christ. Jonah points forward to Christ. The three days Jonah spent 
in the belly of the fish parallels Christ's three days in the grave. And Jonah's experience was a sign to the people of Nineveh. And for us still today. Ian Duguid put it this way, Jonah's deliverance was in its most profound sense a kind of dress rehearsal for Jesus' resurrection as the sign of Jonah found its true fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Folks, behold, something is greater than Jonah. That something greater is here in Jesus Christ. So it's not enough for us to just turn from evil. It's not enough for us to stop sinning. It's not enough for us to pray and fast. It's not enough for us to get into uncomfortable clothes, put ash on our foreheads. It's not enough for us to play church, to show up here. It's not enough to pray and tithe and sing. We can all fake it. Fake it till we make it. The reality is we can't fake being a follower of Christ. You're either in or you're out. You're either walking with Jesus or you're not. If you're sitting on the fence, that's a no, because that means you're not walking after Christ. Maybe we can fake it to our parents. Maybe we can fake out the elders or one another. But eventually it will be found out, and the reality is God sees our hearts. He knows our motives. He knows our thoughts. We can't fake the Lord. We need to turn from evil, yes. But we also have to turn to Christ and believe in him. Something greater than Jonah is here today, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. Friends, God relented. He forgave the Ninevites because they turned from their evil ways. But on this side of the cross, with the opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ, we must be born again. Think back to what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So today, if you've never been born again, if that's a decision you'd like to make, a conversation you'd like to have, talk with a deacon, talk with one of the elders after the church, come snag me. We'd be honored to talk with you about what it means to not only turn from evil, but to follow after Christ. As one commentator put it, Jesus Christ is a great Savior for great sinners. Friends, today something greater than Jonah is here. And so let us turn from our evil ways and turn to Christ and believe in him. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for we're reminded from our text last 